Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. Let's read on through till the end of the chapter. Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed the night is far spent the day is at hand let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light let us walk honestly as in the day and not in rioting and drunkenness not in chambering and wantonness not in strife and envying but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof okay well we've been uh we've been talking about Christian relationships get coming from chapter 12 and on down through here. And now uh, Paul has talked about our relationships together in the church. He's talked about um, our relationships with the world and unbelievers. He's talked about uh, our relationships with our friends, with our enemies. He's talked about the government. Uh, and now he's talking about our neighbor. And, you know, the... Uh, Someone asked the Lord when the Lord said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and quoted this same passage that Paul is quoting here in the very same context, that the greatest commandments in the law are, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said, On these two hang all the law and the prophets. So not only the law of Moses, but the whole uh, the whole of the of the scripture. And when the Lord said that, he was asked, "Well, who is my neighbor?" And we and the Lord told the uh, story, the parable of the good Samaritan. And the point that he was making is that your neighbor is not just the Jews that live around you. Your neighbor is not just the people that uh, are of your kind or who fit in with your group or who have things in common with you. When we think of our neighbor, we think of the people who live on either side of us. The guy on this side of me, he's my next door neighbor. And then i got a street because we're on the corner. But the guy across the street, he's my other next door neighbor. And but the fact is, though, that as we uh, as we walk through this world and live, everyone you meet is a person who is living next to you, isn't it? We sit here in the in the church. There are people living next to us. Everywhere we go, out in the world, we have neighbors. If we come in contact with someone, he becomes our neighbor if, if for that fleeting moment. And Paul says that, uh, he says that we ought to 
love our neighbor. And he starts it out by saying, verse 8 again, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Now what Paul is, uh, what Paul is saying here is pay your debts, number one. Don't, don't owe anyone anything. Now that doesn't mean that you can't you know, take out a loan or take a mortgage for your house or have you know, car payments or whatever. It's a good thing if you can get away without doing all of that. You're, you're better off. But that's not what Paul is talking about. He's, he's, uh, he's, saying don't, he's saying pay your bills. Don't owe somebody anything. If I've got a mortgage and my mortgage is due on the first of the month every month and I pay on the first of the month every month, then I don't owe uh, I'm, I'm paying the bill as I agreed to do. You, you owe somebody when you, uh, when you default. So he says, uh, he says, owe no man anything. And that's, of course, coming off of the uh, passage that we talked about last week with the taxes and, and all the rest. So he's talking about money and dues and custom and so forth. Owe no man anything but to love one another. And Paul here, he's, he's, he sees love as a debt that we owe it to every other person. We owe it to every other person to love them. Paul says, He that loveth another has fulfilled the law. So who is he talking about here? Well, he's talking about another, whoever that might be. He says, One another, that's us. But uh, then he then he just says another somebody other than yourself. That's a that's a um, that's a, sometimes that can be a tall order, just in and of itself to love somebody other than myself, to uh, to put myself out for someone else. That's not necessarily going to directly benefit me. Paul says we owe that. Now come back. You remember. Early, early on, way back when we first started this study, come back to uh, to chapter one, Romans chapter one, and Paul said that he w- that he was uh, in debt. And what was he in debt for? If you love, you know, people say, well, if we would all just love one another. Now, let me tell you something. If 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 all the world tomorrow started loving one another, what a what a magnificent thing that would be! The uh, you know people couples all over. You know, I just heard Sandy told me on the car right here. Al Gore and his wife are getting divorced. What a what a shame! What a pity! If 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 everyone would all of a sudden just tomorrow magically be able to love each other, all the couples who are thinking about getting divorced would stop and would reconcile. And all the nations that are building up uh, weapons and, and, and thinking about as soon as I'm able, I'm going to wipe my neighbor off the face of the earth, that would stop. And all the crime and all the, all the things that we need, the government and those things that we've just been talking about, that, that would be, we, who needs a law? The only reason for a law is because people don't love one another. That's Paul's point here. If we love one another, we fulfill the law. So what a what a fantastic thing that would be. But 
the idea, you know, that kind of 1960s, uh, you know, hippie idea that let's all just, you know, love is the is the ultimate thing, and if we just all love one another, that would that would be the salvation of the world, and it wouldn't. It wouldn't because if you love somebody, there is one um, master act of love. The Lord Jesus Christ showed it to us when He laid down His life. The Lord said, A greater love hath no man than this, that He laid down His life for His friends. And then we find out through the Apostle Paul that He did even greater and He laid down His life for His enemies. While we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. So, the, the love is there in the Gospel. And Paul says we owe it to people to love them. And here in in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, he says, um, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the Gospel to you that are at Rome also. So two things here in the book of Romans that uh, Paul considers a debt. And they're really not two things. They're, they're, they're part of the same thing. To love one another, to love other people, and to tell people about Christ. To preach the Gospel. And, and let them experience that love within themselves that, that we have within ourselves. Back in, in chapter 13. So Paul says it's it's owe no man anything but this. Here's what we owe, and that's a debt that never gets uh, that never gets satisfied. Praise God, we just continue to owe, and just continue to owe, and continue to love, and continue to love. We think about love as a kind of self-sacrificing thing, something that we give, and it is. And yet Paul says here that it's a debt. The Lord Jesus Christ came and He paid our debt. And He paid the debt of every other person out there. And if He paid that debt for them, that, that, that puts all of us in debt to one another. To everyone for whom Christ died, I owe a debt. So owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, verse 9, Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And if you think about it, all of those things, all of those, you know, the, the, the law is, um, is very negative in the thing. It's, it's thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. So Paul says love doesn't work any ill. It does no harm. If I love my neighbor, uh, I'm not going to go uh, 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 in an adulterous uh, affair with his wife. If I love my neighbor, I'm not going to go and kill my neighbor. I'm not going to go and steal from my neighbor. If I love my neighbor, I'm looking for his or her good. I'm going to, I'm going to do things that, that help. And not only am I not going to kill him, I'm not going to 
throw my garbage over the, over the back fence into his yard. And I'm not going to uh, do things that, that aggravate him. And, you know, is, is the bush on your line or is it on my line? Is it on my side? Is it on your side? I don't know. I'll tell you what. Why don't I get in here and, uh, and, and help you take care of this thing? And if, you know, you got something else to do, then I'll come and do it myself. Let's, let's, let's settle this. And let's, uh, let's let love grow in a bond between one another. So, all those things that the law says not to do, love wouldn't do those things. So, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, Paul's been telling us throughout this uh, book of Romans that we're not under the law. But the fact is that the righteousness of the law, you remember back in chapter 8? Come back there, chapter 8. Verse 4. Verse 3. 8 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Now, the righteousness uh, that is within us is that righteousness that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to us by, uh, by His grace when we believed on Him. But it's fulfilled in us as we, uh, as we walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It's fulfilled in us by the Spirit of God and by His grace in a positional way. And Paul, uh, here especially in chapter 13, is saying now it should be fulfilled by us. Not the law, but the righteousness of the law. All these uh, uh, moral issues and good works that the law calls us to do. So when we talk about not being under the law, we understand that that doesn't mean that we can go out and kill and steal and and commit adultery and all those things. It means that we're not under that, that system because we've got a better system. We've got the love of God within us that keeps that law based on grace and on love, not on uh a law. See, we're coming. It's it's no coincidence that we're talking about this coming off of that government passage. We talked about the the uh, uh, him being uh, the the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath and so forth. Well, that's uh, you know that that's the idea here is you don't need a law if you've got love. So he that loves his neighbor fulfills the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Here, come and let's take a look at a couple of verses where uh, where Paul talks about this in other places. Look at Galatians, just to give our so our fingers don't get stiff here. Right, we're going to turn some pages. Galatians. And I'm looking in chapter 5. Let's do chapter 5. Verse uh, 16, 18. Start there. 
5.18 Galatians. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory provoking one another and envying one another. So the reason that we're not under the law is not because not so that we can go out and do whatever we want to do. It's because there's something better. Where the law was weak in the flesh, God sent His own Son and condemned sin in the flesh so that we have an internal motive now. And that is, uh, and that is love. Back in chapter 13, Romans chapter 13. Romans 13, verse 14. Now, you know, while you're turning back there, we're all very busy. We've all got a lot of things to do. And we've all got uh, our own business to tend to and so forth. But listen, we don't have to go to the other side of the world to love to somebody, to show love to somebody. What we're talking about in this passage is our neighbor. And again, that's the person who happens to be uh, in your presence at, at any given time. You don't have to reach any further than, than an arm's length to show love, to show concern, to, to, to help, to ask somebody if they, if they need anything and to, and to offer it as you're, as you're able. It's, uh, it's very easy to do. You know, keeping the law is impossible for the flesh. But Paul here, he makes it very easy. Just love one another and you'll, and you'll fulfill the law. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Verse 11. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Now that's an interesting statement of the Apostle Paul there. And um, different people have different ideas what he's talking about. I'm going to be honest with you and tell you that I'm not 100% sure. I've heard different people's ideas about it. And some people think he's talking about uh, dispensationally that knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep and that word now when you see Paul especially say that uh, you get it it has a dispensational ring to it and then some people say well it's not a dispensational statement it's talking about us personally now that we're saved uh, and and so forth myself I see it I see both things in this passage. It's the Second Corinthians and uh, chapter 5 is kind of that way where Paul talks about if any man be in Christ he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Is that a dispensational statement or is that a personal statement? 
I think it's both. I think it's got a personal context right there next to it, and and it's got a dispensational context right there along with it as well. And it's true dispensationally, and it's true personally of Christians. I think this passage kind of follows that same that same rule. Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. You remember back in uh back in chapter eleven, on the dispensational side of it, chapter eleven verse uh thirty For as ye, that is ye Gentiles, in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these Jews, Israelites, also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. So there's a dispensational context there, and when Paul comes out of that, uh, that, talking about the mercies of God dispensationally into chapter 12, he says, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God to present your bodies, a living sacrifice, and so forth. So it's the dispensational truth that we understand that, that motivates us to to serve. Well, you've got the same thing here. Knowing that uh, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Acts chapter 17, I think we've probably quoted this verse five or six times already in this study. Paul tells the, uh, the Greeks there at, at Athens, he says that, that you in time past, you walked uh, in your own ways and you, and you, and you worshipped uh, idols of gold and so forth. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. The Gentiles ought not be in darkness anymore. It's not nighttime for them anymore. The, 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 uh, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to the Apostle Paul and he brought uh, life and light and immortality to light through the Gospel. And he commands all men everywhere to repent. So the gospel uh, today is the uh, is the is, it floods the world. It's not just in one nation. So in that sense, the um, it's time to awake out of sleep. The times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. You can't sleep anymore, you Gentiles. Now, for us personally knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Well, you can't, you can't hardly argue with that, can you? That's, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a pretty kind of self-evident statement. But you know what? It's a good thought to keep in mind. Now, I, cause here's, here's what happens. We get saved and we're on fire for the Lord, Right? As new Christians, and we're hungry, and we're and we're zealous, and we're and 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 time goes on, and that kind of wears away, doesn't it? And it kind of fizzles out a little bit. Paul's saying, no, no, you got it backwards. You got this is how you got to look at it. Now is our salvation nearer than when we believed? And and the Bible more than once tells its uh, people to to abound much more as you see the day approaching. Let that be. Let that hope, looking forward to the to the Lord Jesus Christ coming, let that be a motivator for you. So, so it seems like a self evident thing to say, but it's a uh, but it's a good thing to keep in mind. We're closer now than than when we believed, and the Lord's coming is closer now than when this dispensation started. Paul made this statement 1,900 years ago. Just 
Think how much closer we are today than he was when he said it. Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Come with me, if you would, to Ephesians in chapter 5. Paul uses this language in a few different places. Very similar contexts. It's time to wake up. He's talking about loving one another. And 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 we we uh, we fall into a we fall into a sleep when it comes to that kind of thing, and we get entangled in our own uh, affairs. And Paul says, "It's time to wake up." Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five and verse. Six. Let's pick it up there. Ephesians 5 and verse 6, "...let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them." The wrath of God is going to come on them for that. Why do you want to be doing that with them? "...for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light." For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. That's what he told us back in Romans 12, to prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Same phrase he uses in Romans 13. Put off the works of darkness. Cast off the works of darkness. But rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So the, the idea there is, he tells the, here, he tells the Thessalonians the same thing. Look at First Thessalonians chapter 5. Very similar language there. The idea there is that that we were in the night, and those that sleep here in in First Thessalonians chapter five, and those that are drunken, those are the things that people do in the night. Jesus said they they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil, and and Paul is saying here we need to wake up. We need to be children of the day. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. The, we we the the dawn is here. You know, people uh, argue over that passage or have differences of opinion about it. Is this the day that you and I live in or is it the night? Jesus said, I have to work while it is yet day because the night cometh when no man can work. So people say, well, this is the night. When Jesus was here, it was day. When He comes again, the day star will arise in your hearts and that will be the new dawn. In between, it's night. Uh, some people say, no, this is, uh, this is the day. It was night when you were going into the tribulation, but now we have the, the reconciling of the world and so forth. And this is uh, the, the gospel of the grace of God is, is reigning today. And this is not night. This is, this is daytime. 
it seems to me like what you've got, you know, Paul says, he tells the Corinthians that as God shined in the darkness back there in Genesis chapter 1 and hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the truth of, uh, of the Gospel in the face of Jesus Christ, that for us, for you and me, who are saved, it's day. We are children of the day. When God did that back there in Genesis chapter 1, He, he, didn't, he didn't abolish the darkness. He divided it. He, he, he set the day over here, the light over here, and the darkness over here, and the light He called day, and the darkness He called night, and they coexisted. And that's what you've got going on today. You've got unsaved people living in the night, in the darkness. You've got saved people, you and me, who are children of the day and of the light. So for you and me, we, we walk around in the midst of darkness, but we ourselves are lights in the midst of that darkness. We carry the day with us, within us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 3, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. What does Paul tell the Colossians? That God has delivered us, translated us uh, from the power of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. So we are not of the night. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. See, those people who all these passages have been talking about who will not inherit the kingdom of God, therefore be not like unto them, they're living in the night. For them it's night. For us it isn't. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. So again, our, our salvation is nearer today than, than when we believe. And of course he's talking about phase three there, just like he is here salvation when the Lord comes to redeem our bodies so we you and I we carry the sun around with us the world lies in wickedness in darkness for them it's night you and I have have the sun and we walk through this world and rub shoulders in this world and we are lights in the midst of, of, of darkness. So Paul says, to every man we owe a debt to reach out and to, and, and, and to love and to, sh- and to shine that light into the darkness. Back in Romans chapter 13. And I said the greatest uh, act of love that you can do is to, is, to, is to share the gospel with someone but that's certainly not the only thing and I'll tell you what 
uh, you know, there's a kind of a cheesy saying that's, uh, that's, that's altogether true, and that is that they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right? And, uh, you know, put that on a bumper sticker and, and let it drip honey like it, you know, like it's, uh, like it sounds like it ought to be doing, but it's true. There is, uh, there is a, a, a much wider door of access to someone who thinks and knows and believes that you genuinely care about them than there is to someone who thinks that you're telling, trying to tell them what to do or tell them that they're wrong in some way. So, uh, you know, the sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel, is something we need to do. You can't just go loving people uh, straight into hell. You don't want to do that. That's not love. But at the same time, there are other ways. The Lord Jesus Christ showed love. The Apostle Paul showed love. Uh, the early saints in the in the Bible showed love in a lot of different, very real, very practical ways. So there's all kinds of opportunities. So we know the time. It's high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Verse 12, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. That's what he just told the Thessalonians. Talking about that armor. Um, and, he, and he's talking about changing your clothes. Cast. Uh, he's talking about clothing here. Uh, not literally changing your clothes, but he uses the, the figure cast off the works of darkness. You know, you put your clothes on in the morning and, and your clothes go where you go. And they do what you do. And they move the way you move. If you turned invisible, your clothes would still look a lot like you in the in the, in the form that they take and that's the idea here are you going are are we going to walk around with these works of darkness and and the, the things that he talks about specifically here are uh, not in rioting and drunkenness just like he told the Thessalonians not in chambering and wantonness that's sexual uh immorality not in strife and envying sins of the heart and so forth so those those things are the works of darkness. And Paul says, he doesn't even just say put them off like he does in other places. He says, cast them off. Throw those things. Get, get those things off of you like, 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 like the filth that they are and put on the armor of light. You say, what does that mean to put on the armor of light? Well, he tells you in verse 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Look over in uh, Galatians again, chapter 3 this time. Galatians chapter 3, we'll, we'll close up. The righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us. Now it's time for the righteousness of the law to be fulfilled by us that is, by the Lord, through us. Same way you and I have put on Christ. Bless you, brother. But now it's time to uh, put on Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 
For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So Paul says, if you're saved, you have put on Christ. Here in Romans chapter 13, he tells us, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we understand what Paul's doing here, that positional truth that we have put on Christ. We are in Christ. Christ is our, uh, is our clothing. Again, as I walk through my day and move, Paul says, for me to live is Christ. My, my, what I'm wearing moves with me. It does what I do. I take it with me. It, it covers me. It makes me presentable to, to others. So Paul says, you have put on Christ. That's positional truth. Now put on Christ in your walk, in your actions, in your deeds. Fulfill that debt uh, that we have to every man to love one another. And make not provision for the flesh, back in Romans thirteen fourteen, to fulfill the lusts thereof. You know what provision is, right? If you got... You got provisions means you got food, you got something to eat, something to keep you going, something to uh, energize you and feed you and, and, and keep you growing and strong. Well, he says, don't make provision for the flesh. Don't feed the flesh. Don't, uh, don't, don't, don't bring things into your, into your life that are, going to, uh, that, are, that are going to tempt you and that are going to corrupt you. Don't make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust of it. Just uh, don't, don't put that stuff in your, in your home, in your, in your life. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we, if we walk, Paul, we just read, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's what he's saying here. You've put on Christ, now put on Christ. Let your walk match your position. And you will be fulfilling the law. You will be walking according to the righteous standard of God if we love one another. Because that's the end of it all. Paul tells Timothy, the end of the commandment is charity. I'm done.